end of the age receives so many questions on a daily basis. How do I prepare for the end time? Is the great falling away a past or future event? Who is Mystery Babylon? Who signs the final seven-year treaty? And where is the United States in Bible prophecy? Well, we will answer these questions and more on this edition of End of the Age. Welcome to this segment of End of the Age. And wow, we get so many great questions in here on a daily basis. And questions are really one of the best ways for us to learn. And I wanted to go through many of these questions and give the answers to them today because they help so much of us understand more about Bible prophecy, things going on in the world, end time events. And... Sometimes you don't know what to ask, but you might hear a question that somebody else asked and thought, man, I've always wondered what the answer to that was. And so I'm going to dive right off and get as many of these questions uh, and answer as many of them as I can today. The question number one, you guys teach that we will be here during the tribulation or a post-tribulation rapture. What should we be doing to prepare for the end time? Well, number one, everybody on the planet needs to be born again. The the beginning of spiritual preparation for eternity is to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, a man cannot see or enter the kingdom of God without being born again. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, Jesus didn't go into some big uh, gripe session about the oppression of the Roman army's presence in Jerusalem and the, the taxation and the civil unrest and the poor societal conditions. No, there is one thing on Jesus's mind at that time. Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, except a man is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. He went right to the heart of the matter. Well, Nicodemus said unto him, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, You must be born again. That's John 3, 3 through 7. Yes, we do know that there are apocalyptic events prophesied for the end time. Instances where even in the end time, one's life could be taken. There's persecution going on against Christians around the world presently. However, we also know the Lord could call any one of us home at any time. So why wait then? The Bible says, 
Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.2. And for a conclusive explanation, you say, what do you mean born again, Dave? Well, for a conclusive explanation of the biblical plan of salvation to be born again, just like Jesus told Nicodemus, you can call 1-800-363-8463 or ask and to ask for a free brochure, what do you mean born again? Or simply visit endtime.com slash reborn. And it will take you right through that. It's a real quick read and it shows you the steps on how to be born again. So don't wait. Be born again today. Also, you need to know and understand biblical truths. Now, I'm, t- I'm telling you, how do we prepare for the times just ahead? John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's so much propaganda and agenda driven news in our world. You've got to know and understand the truth. I mean, people who do not know the truth, the Bible says the truth will set you free. People who do not know the truth, they're really in bondage. And this is going to impede your ability to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Bible says, search the scriptures for in them they think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. That's John 5, 39. So you've got to know your Bible. The Bible is the only book that can reveal how many gods there are. There's only one God. The Bible is the only book that can share the story of that one God's redemptive plan for the human race. It will also show you how to be saved. It'll teach you how to live as a Christian once you are saved, once you've been through that born again plan of salvation and preparing you for eternity. And God's word will give you the knowledge and the confidence to teach and to lead others to Christ, your family, friends, your sphere of influence. The Bible tells you which church is true and which churches are false. It also provides prophecies written thousands of years ago, which are coming to pass right now, letting us know we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the end time, a working knowledge of the Bible is of utmost importance. You say, well, why? Well, it's biblical illiteracy that will allow someone to believe the false prophets' deceptive messages in the end time. Jesus said, take heed that no man deceives you. Many will come in my name and deceive many. So these deceptive messages of the false prophet, the knowing your Bible will keep you from being deceived by that and from pledging allegiance to the Antichrist and his world governing system. So it's very important. Uh, One great way to increase your Bible knowledge quickly is to enroll in our online Jerusalem Prophecy College. It's very easy. Go to www.jerusalemprophecycollege.com. Simply register, enroll in your first course, and then you're, you're on your way. And it will get you up to speed very quickly. So there's no excuse to be biblically illiterate in the end time. So why wait? Get started in our Jerusalem Prophecy College today. 
you also need to be a member of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. You know, I talked about the born-again plan of salvation. Once a person is born again, they become part of the body of Christ. The Bible says, for as the body is one and hath many members, I'm going to hold right here because I want to make sure you get this, this entire verse. And so remember, what are we doing? We're preparing for the end time. I'm answering the question here. What do we do to prepare for the end time? How should we prepare? And so these are things that a Christian absolutely should be part of and thinking about and somebody who's thinking about becoming a Christian. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. The seven vials are coming in the form of sores, darkness, great hail, people being scorched with immense heat, and more. Bible prophecy shows us that each of these judgments will be far worse than anything imaginable. The good news is there is hope. In our brand new video, learn how to be immune from these gruesome judgments and have peace in the end time. This month only, get our new DVD, The Seven Vials, with a gift of any amount. Go to endtime.com DVD or call us at 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. This offer is only valid through the end of the month. Go to endtime.com DVD or call 800-END-TIME. The Bible says, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that body are one, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. So the church is the body of Christ. The Bible says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. So scripture teaches 
separation from the body or the church, once a person becomes part of the body, that that's spiritual suicide. Think about that. Hebrews 10, verse 25 through 26, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We shouldn't be having less church. We should be having more church. For the Bible says, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received a knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So if at all possible, become a member of a good truth teaching church. It, it helps to be around others of, of like-minded faith and it will strengthen you spiritually which is a must in the end times. You do not want to go through the end times alone or isolated. You need to be a body, uh, a part of the body of Christ and like-minded believers to help each other as we go through some things. You also need, once you get yourself ready to go, then you need to teach others. This is scriptural. Daniel eleven thirty two and 33. The Bible says, during the time of the Antichrist that he will corrupt people by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And very key here, and they that understand among the people are going to instruct many. So during the end time, especially throughout the, the final seven years, just ahead of us now, preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ, people of understanding are going to teach others concerning the times that we're living in. I know that I'm on many, many radio programs all the time because people are really hungry for a knowledge of the end times and how these events going on in the world are correlating to Bible prophecies written thousands of years ago. People are very interested right now. And this is going to help them navigate some of the ominous prophetic minefields that lay ahead. Bible prophecy just happens to be one of the most effective soul winning tools that we have. The Bible says in Revelation 19, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy really builds people's faith in the Bible, which is the only book that has the words to eternal life. It's very effective. Furthermore, just before his ascension into heaven, Jesus left us with a great commission. Do you remember? He told them, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus Christ gave us a great commission. Go, make disciples, Baptize, teach them to observe the things that I have t- taught you. So not only are we supposed to prepare ourselves for eternity, but we're to expand the kingdom of God by um, moving on, by helping others to get ready to meet the Lord. And we will never improve on the Lord's method of reaching people or by, or which would be to teach, baptize again, and then to teach. Evangelism is our marching orders from the Lord. 
for the end time. We all are evangelists. Now, we also need to support Israel. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, this is all the way back in the book of Genesis, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's all the way back in Genesis 12 verse 1 through 3. So we have to stand with, protect, and support Israel. And there's more than one way to bless Israel. Number one, you can pray for the people. You can give financially, faithfully to the truth teaching God called Israeli missionaries. If you say, well, how am I going to contact them? Contact in time for a reference. Uh, contact the end of the age program, 1-800-363-8463. And we financially support people working in Israel. You can also give to the, another Jewish Holocaust fund as end time ministries, the end of the age program prepares to reach Jewish people in the end time, not only in the West bank, but all Israelis. And Israelis around the world to help them make Aliyah back to Israel. End time ministry supports them. And so giving a portion of that goes to supporting those people, trying Jews, trying to make Aliyah or the journey back to their biblical homeland. You can also sign up to be part of the End Time 1000 who will knock every door in the West Bank, warning them to flee prophesied by Jesus in Matthew 24, we will be doing a door knocking campaign just prior to the great tribulation. Just simply call 1-800-363-8463. Let us know you want to be part of that. We'll sign you up. And then when we get ready to go, we'll get in touch with everybody and we're going to do the door knocking campaign. Many ways to support Israel. Also in the end time, it is of utmost importance that you have a daily prayer life. Man, now I'll just say it. It is customary for Muslims to pray five times a day and for Jews to pray three times a day. Remember that Daniel prayed three times a day. However, I've heard of more than one pastor who had to twist some arms to get some Christians to show up for a, a Tuesday night prayer meeting. Seems like everybody always has an excuse, right? But the Bible talks a lot about a daily relationship with the Lord. And, you know, time is not going to allow me to share all of the scriptures. However, I do want to share one. Jesus taught a parable about fervent daily prayer back in uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. I'm going to give you the New King James Version. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart saying there was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him and said, great, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. He just ignored her. 
But afterward, he said to himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she's just, she's wearying me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So this is how Jesus wants us to pray on a daily basis. In the end time, you will also need to be a spirit-led person, praying often enough in the spirit that the Lord will begin to impress things on your mind and your spirit. And this is how the Lord leads you by his spirit. Remember Romans 8, 14, it says, um, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So over the next several years, right here at the just getting towards the finish line of all of this, the culmination, it is essential that you learn to be a spirit-led person. But it's impossible to be a spirit-led person as a Christian without a daily prayer life. Now, we also, I'm preparing, I'm saying, the question was, how do we prepare for the end time? You need to place your hope and faith and trust of course, in Jesus Christ, not in your finances or in your, uh, you know, your, your intellect or your strength. That's not how it works. We need to play the, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe in the end time. We will all face circumstances that our finite mind simply cannot find a solution for. Certainly anyone living as a Christian has experienced these situations. And there are times when our only option will be to rely upon Jesus to intervene, right? Well, this is only one reason why a daily prayer life is so important. It allows God to lead and guide us by his spirit, which is of utmost importance now and throughout the times just ahead. Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Bible says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. That's all the way back to Deuteronomy 31, 6. So even when you don't feel him, God is looking out for you. Bible says, and we know all, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans eight twenty eight. I mean, it was uh, King David that said, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That's back in Psalm 37, 25. So it's not going to be our intellect, our strength, our fortitude that guides us through the next few years. It will be our reliance on the spirit of God. Bible says, then he answered and spake unto me saying, 
this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Remember when Zerubbabel went back to build Jerusalem and the temple saying, not by might, Zerubbabel, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's um, Zechariah 4, 6. So in the end time, trust the Lord. He has never failed anyone ever. And then finally, you know, a lot of people want to know, how do we prepare physically? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34, the Bible says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So, of course, yeah, this means during the end time we can all quit our jobs, let, let the Lord pay our bills, and put, he'll put food on the table, right? No, that's not necessarily what that means. The Bible says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. So these scriptures are for individuals who are putting the Lord first in their life, working to expand his kingdom in the earth, serving the needs of others before their own. And, you know, as always, you need to do your best, the best you can. However, if you will focus on building the Lord's kingdom instead of your own, he will provide for you in the time of need. And then, of course, you know, there, there, there is some suggestions on maybe some physical preparation. If, you know, if you consider the food shortages and, and other shortages, when like, let's say, uh, even the, the um, coronavirus hit back in March of 2020. Remember, the, the, there was just a mad rush to the grocery stores. Well, according to scripture, there will be more pandemics, earthquakes, wars, and, and tribulation in the end time. So it might not be a bad idea maybe to store up some rations for really any type of catastrophe. And, you know, it doesn't mean, hey, pack up and head for the hills. That's not what it means. Because remember, we have a great commission to fulfill. Teach the gospel to the whole world. And that will be impossible if you're hiding in a cave somewhere, right? So very important that we understand preparation in the end time. Now, I know we're coming up to a break. I've got a lot more questions. I'll be getting off into a lot of them as we go. But a lot of people are really interested. What do we do in the end times? How do we prepare? Well, those are some of the things that we put together that can really help you. It's how, that's how we lead our lives. We have a daily prayer life. We're trusting the Lord, having faith in Him. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, End Time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, everyone, I have many questions that come in here really on a daily basis. I mean, we've so many great questions. Everybody's becoming very educated. They're going through the Jerusalem Prophecy College. They're following us on the radio, television, and that brings up a lot of good questions, right? And so I've got a lot more to go through. So let me, let me just dive right back off into them because I want to get as many as I can done in this segment. The next question is, Is the falling away a future event? Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul was writing concerning the rapture, and he said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. He's talking about the rapture here and the second coming. He says that you be not soon shaken by mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by a word, nor by a letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. He said, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there comes a falling away first. We'll define that in a moment. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So at this point, when the apostle Paul is speaking this, there were people that had begun to teach that the day of the the day of Jesus coming was at hand and at that time and the apostle Paul did not think it was healthy for them to be teaching that because he knew that that was not the case so he wrote this letter to second Thessalonians chapter 2 to correct this false teaching they were teaching the doctrine of imminency or that there was the lord's return was imminent it wasn't So the apostle Paul knew that he would not live to see the second coming. He said that in the book of Acts. He said um, that the spirit speaketh expressly 
that after my departure, grievous wolves shall come in, not sparing the flock, teaching um, for doctrines the traditions of men rather than the commandments of God. And he said that it will not come this falling, it will not come except there comes a falling away first. So when we talk about the term falling away, the, the Greek term is apostasia or a defection from the truth. The apostles were teaching the truth. Obviously, it's the New Testament. And so what happened was in the post-apostolic age, 90 AD to about 140 AD, and in the age of the Greek apologist, 130 AD to about 180 AD, a number of groups, just like the Apostle Paul, hey, grievous wolves are coming among you trying to steal these truths away. They won't be teaching biblical doctrines. Well, a number of groups arose during that time that separated from the mainstream church. And that continued throughout the Dark Ages. So during the Dark Ages was the falling away. The falling away has already occurred. So think about it. Spiritual darkness really descended upon the earth. Hardly anybody had access to the Word of God. Once the apostles died off, Bibles were handwritten back at that point. Imagine, fabulously expensive to purchase a Bible. So the common man, they didn't have access to the Word of God. And so from approximately, you know, if you go back to, let's say, 500 A.D. to about 1500 A.D., and a good um, approximate there, there, there were no Bibles available again to the common man. So people could not read and they did not have access to the truth. And it was during this time, major biblical doctrines were changed, which of course led to the defection from the truth or the, hence the term, the great falling away, apostasia, a defection from the truth. And I believe that it was Paul, it, this is what Paul saw from his vantage point in the first century. He saw the great decline, the great falling away, and then he saw the coming of the man of sin, the, the son of perdition. He's referring to the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, it continues on. The apostle Paul said, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the Apostle Paul said two things that will happen before the rapture. This is very, very important. There's going to be a falling away first. And the man of sin, the Antichrist, will be revealed. Did you, so did you catch that? The Antichrist will be revealed prior to the rapture. So I believe we will see the Antichrist appear on the scene very soon. However, once the Reformation happened, uh, 1517, and just before that, when people started to really, trans, they started to look into translating Bibles into the common man's language, we came out of the Dark Ages and began towards, uh, and back towards the truths that were taught in Scripture, Okay. Because, you know, Gutenberg invented his printing press. He started to print Bibles in the common man's language. And people started reading and said, well, hold on a second. The Bible says this. 
the Bible says this, and they started getting the revelation of these truths. So the Bible actually teaches not a falling away in the future, but the greatest time of revival the world has ever known will occur in the future. Not a falling away. The falling away has already occurred. We're coming back into the full truths. Okay? In Revelation uh, 7, verse 9 through 14, while seeing the future vision of heaven, John said, and after this, I beheld in lo a great multitude, which no man could number. He's seeing a vision of heaven, saw a multitude, no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, peoples, and tongues. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb in white robes. And one of the elders answered and said unto John, hey, John, what are these individuals that are arrayed, arrayed in white robes? And where'd they come from? And John said unto him, Sir, in other words, I don't know. Thou knowest. And the elders said to John, These are they that have come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So John saw people who had came through the great tribulation that went in the first resurrection. They were, he saw a vision of them in heaven in the future. And the Bible says they were born again during the great tribulation period. So if we use the historical events of the dark ages and what happened just after the apostles had went off the scene, then these scriptures and other prophecies, along with the historical event of the dark ages, then we know the great falling away has already occurred. And the greatest time of revival this world has ever known is just ahead of us. Very important question. And I do thank the uh, individual who sent that in. Because a lot of people are wondering about that, the great falling away. And um, I, I was happy to be able to answer the question to give you some spiritual, uh, scriptural and historical references. Now, another question we get all the time is about Mystery Babylon. A lot of people want to know, is Mystery Babylon the United States? Is it New York? Uh, who is it? A lot, of, a lot of speculation going on. So well, let me give you the, some history of Babylon, okay? The, the book of Revelation speaks of a, a woman whose name is Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots. And this woman is the leader of the end time false religious system located in Rome. A mystery is something that is hidden, right? It's hidden to some, but it's revealed to others. It's a mystery. The center of iniquity in our world has now shifted from Babylon originally to Rome, which is mystery Babylon today. In order to understand this, you have to look at some of the history of Babylon. It began at the Tower of Babel. Remember, all the way back in Genesis, after the flood... Almighty God told human beings to scatter and multiply, replenish the earth. He told them not to dwell in cities because iniquity would result from living too closely together, all grouped up. However, human beings wanted security and they felt safer when they all lived huddled up together. They had no faith in God's ability to look after them and provide for their security and their disbelief drove them to disobey God. They decided to build a city with a tower, the Tower of Babel, 
that could reach into the heavens. And that the reason, they reasoned that if there was another flood, they could run up into the Tower of Babel and they wouldn't drown. So relying on themselves instead of God, right? If you understand the context of all of that, well, Babylon is the origin of man-made religion. And that's why the, that's the reason why Rome is Mystery Babylon today. All the clues in Revelation 17, there's about six clues in Revelation 17. They all point to Rome. It's a city. It sets over in a city over an international system. Uh, it is um, the city of seven hills. I mean, there's several clues in Revelation chapter 17. All of them point to Rome, not to uh, Rome and the, the, the religious system there, not to the United States like some have taught. So you say, well, if that's the case, you know, where's the United States mentioned in the Bible? You guys are always talking about the United States and Bible prophecy. Uh, where's it mentioned in scripture? And how do we know it will not be part of the end time world government? Well, when we talk about the prophesied world government, and I, I can almost rattle this off of my sleep, but 650 years prior to John writing the book of Revelation, the prophet Daniel was given a vision of four beasts that represented kingdoms or nations that would exist at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Do not get these confused with Daniel chapter 2 and the empires that would rule the world during their known era. Daniel 7 and Daniel 2 are not a mere image of each other. Okay? So you're going to get really, if you read some of the commentaries, you're going to get really messed up when you try to say that um, the lion is Babylon and the bears, Media, Persia, and go on down through there. That simply is not the case. You got to understand the original Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian empire, it's not on the earth anymore. It's gone. The original kingdom of uh, the Medes and the Persians, King Darius, King Cyrus, that's gone. But in Daniel 7, it says these beasts symbolize nations that would be on the earth functioning at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it's very important. Daniel 2, Daniel 7, different. Except for the fifth empire, the Holy Roman Empire in Daniel 2. That's the same thing as the ten horns in Daniel 7. Okay, so I don't want to get y'all confused, but these are some of the things you must understand. These are basic Bible prophecies. And so what are we doing here? We're describing the... Where's the United States located in the Bible? You've got to understand Daniel's vision in Daniel 7, the four beasts. And I know we're coming up to a break, but we'll get back to that four beast here in just a moment. And so um, love these Q&As, don't you? Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one. Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. 
This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the Book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. So I'm answering the question, where's the United States located in the Bible and how do we know it's not going to be part of the end time world government? Well, the four beasts described in that represented kingdoms or nations on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ described in Daniel 7, 4 through 7 and the, the modern nations they symbolize are a lion with eagle's wings, which would be the modern nations of the Great Britain and the United States. A bear, Russia, a four-headed leopard, Germany, and the ten-horned beast, which would symbolize the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. Then if you go to Revel- in uh, Revelation chapter 13, John uses these same symbols of nations to describe the end-time world government. In John's account, those four separate nations of Daniel 7 have federalized into one large global governing body. The interpretation would be, um, this would be Revelation 13, 1 and 2. John said, I stood up on the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns, symbolic of the European Union, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto, it had the body of the leopard, Germany, Feet as the feet of the bear, Russia. Mouth as the mouth of the lion, Great Britain. And the dragon, Satan, gave him his seat, power, and great authority. So this is nothing more than a 2,000-year-old prophecy of the world government that is currently being established. Now, it's important. We're answering the question, United States and Bible prophecy. Well, The United States is missing from this world governing beast. The eagle's wings that were symbolic of the United States in Daniel 7, they're not mentioned in the combo beast of Revelation 13. So it indicates that the United States will not be included in the world government of the end time. Remember in Daniel 7 that Daniel saw the eagle's wings plucked out of the lion and was made stand upon a feet as a man, as a man's heart was given to it. Daniel saw the declaration of independence all the way back in Babylonian captivity over 2,500 years ago. Isn't Bible prophecy awesome to study and understand? So there's something about the United States where we are independent. We want to stand on our own. Not be part of this world governing body. Even though I know we've been the principal driver of that. But in the end time world government, right there before the very end, the Bible indicates that we are not part of the world governing body. The prophecy also indicates that world dominance 
will shift from the United States over to the powers of Europe. Now, that's a whole Bible study. I don't really have time to go through all that today, but you'll just have to trust me on that one. Uh, at some point in the near future, I'll do a lesson on the revived Holy Roman Empire, that that will be the seat, which is the European Union, that will be the seat of the Antichrist and the false prophet. Uh, and in the end time, they will be over the world governing body. So we know from those prophecies, powers will have shifted from the United States over to Europe. And you can see the vacuum that's being created right now with our position of um, the administration, the current administration's position of weakness in the world. And even our allies are looking at us like, well, we can't trust the United States anymore. And they're speaking about taking our place at the table. So over the years, this left us with a few questions. Um, Of course, up until this time, we were up until a few years ago, I should say, we were the leader of that world governing body. But how would that power shift occur? Would the United States be wiped out in a possible future six trumpet war? Would we be brought to our knees and become a non-factor on the world stage? Or would we perhaps go into some type of isolation? And I've seen articles recently about the post-American world. So there is a scripture, though, that helps us to answer these questions. Jump back a chapter to Revelation chapter 12. It's the only other place that eagle's wings are mentioned in the prophecies of the end time. Revelation 12, 13 says the dragon uh, will persecute a woman with 12 stars around her head. The woman's Israel, the 12 stars symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel in Revelation chapter 12. According to Revelation 13, the dragon or Satan will use the Antichrist and his world government system to do the persecuting. The Bible says in Revelation 13 that um, power was given unto him to make war with the saints. Where did he get his power from? The Bible says Satan, the dragon, gave him his seat, power, and great authority. So it all ties together perfectly. So in uh, Revelation, John tells us, in the next verse, Revelation 12, 14, that Israel will be protected during the great tribulation, which is during the final three and one half years, immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. John said, and to the woman, Israel, were given two wings of a great eagle, the United States. That's why we're not mentioned in that world governing body in the end time. We're protecting Israel. We're Israel's number one ally on the planet. The Bible says she's going to be protected that she might fly into the wilderness into her place on the wings of that great eagle where she is nourished for time, times, and half a times from the face of the serpent, from the face of that world governing body in the Antichrist. That's Revelation 12, 14. So the United States has a clear mission in the end time, not be part of the world government and stand with Israel all the way to the end. And that's a clear understanding of Revelation 12 and 13. We are absolutely sure of two things, that the United States stand with Israel, protect her from the world governing body in the end time, and we will not be part of that world government. Therefore, we will not come under the full reign of the Antichrist. Man, am I so thankful for that, aren't you? Now, I had one last question. I'll do my best to get through all of this. I don't know if I'll have time to, but... 
I got a question in that said, is the false prophet the one that signs the final seven-year peace agreement? The answer to that, I'll tell you right up front, I don't know if I have time to get through it all to prove it scripturally, but the answer to that is no. The Antichrist, not the false prophet, it's the Antichrist that signs the agreement that starts the final seven years. Now, to understand that, you've got to understand the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week. Daniel 9, 24 through 27, it's a prophetic time clock to give us, it's given to us straight by God, from God. The, the prophecy begins with the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And it culminates with the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth at the time of the battle of Armageddon. So it spans 25, 2600 years. But it's verse 27, Daniel 9, 27. Um, it describes in detail the final seven years before the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. So the entire 70 weeks prophecy, very important that we understand that. The entire 70 week prophecy foretold when the Messiah would come to the earth the first time. It proved the identity of the Messiah, foretold the crucifixion, foretold the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the temple and prophesied the event that will trigger the final seven years to the battle of Armageddon. And it provides clues to the identity of the Antichrist even. It established the the seven-year timeline for the end of the age events. So Daniel's 70th week prophecy, the prophecy found in Daniel um, 9, 24 through 27, it's a 490-year prophecy given to us in three segments. And I'm going to begin by looking at verse uh, 24. Seventy sevens are decreed upon thy people and your holy city to finish the transgression, put an end to sin, atone for wickedness, bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So what's meant by the 77s? Well, God is telling us that there will be 77-year periods of time in the prophecy. How do we know that each of the sevens is seven years? Well, in Daniel 9.27, it states that the uh, event called the abomination of desolation will occur in the middle of the last seven-year period. So if we can tell how long the last half of the last seven is, then all we have to do is multiply by two to know how long the full period of seven is. And that's very easy. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24, 15 through 21, that the abomination of desolation would start at the great tribulation. And so there are six different scriptures that say the great tribulation lasts three and one half years. Daniel 7, 25, Revelation 13, 5, Daniel 12, 7, Revelation 11, 2, Revelation 11, 3, and when you're getting off into the two witnesses and then uh, Revelation 12, 14. So if the last half of the last seven is three and one half years, hey, then the first half is three and one half years, right? Which means the entire 70th seven is a seven year period. So obviously other 69 sevens are also seven years long. And it lets us know that we're looking at a 77 um, 77 year periods of time or 
a, um, a 490 year period. The beginning of the 490 years, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylons and by Babylon in 586 BC. Daniel 9, 1 through 3 tells us that uh, Daniel was given the 490 year prophecy during the first year of King Darius around 538 BC. After the Medes and the Persians had replaced Babylon as the leading empire of the world. Daniel 9.25 reveals that the 490 years begins with the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem. It says, no one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed, when the ruler comes, there's going to be seven sevens, 62 sevens, and it'll be rebuilt with the streets and the trench, but in the times of trouble. So most likely the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem refers to the prophet or the, uh, the prophesied decree of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that would be in Ezra 6.3. That occurred around 538 B.C., if the, if the dates are correct. Some of them are a little sketchy back then. But the history and the calendars that we have for this time period, you know, they, they may be just a little bit unreliable. Um, however, the 490-year time began... Uh, that's not what's important. It's when it really, the 69 years ends and we're, we're, all of us are interested in the final seven years. So I, I know it's a very detailed prophecy. It's one of the, um, the more complicated prophecies to understand in the Bible. And I don't, I, there's no way I'm going to get to the rest of it on the rest of the program today. However, the Bible goes on down in verse 26 and it says the people of the prince that shall come. Uh, and then it says he shall confirm the covenant with many for a seven year period. We know that that's the Antichrist. The Bible goes on to say that he is, he is the prince of the covenant. He causes the sacrifices to cease. There are many clues that you have to go through that let us know of other prophecies uh, in located in Daniel 11 that the Antichrist will be the one that signs the agreement that starts the final seven years. The, the false prophet will be whoever the Pope is at that time in a union of politics and religion. So it's very important. It's not the false prophet that signs the peace agreement. It will be the Antichrist that signs the peace agreement that starts the final seven years. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 